Hi, this is Jen. Hi, I'm Larissa. And I'm Jamila. We welcome you to the Straighten Your Crown podcast, where we are committed to equipping you with truth, hope, faith, and love as we endeavor to be mindful of the thoughts that we adorn. All right, so last time we were together, we talked about romance in the church, and romance naturally leads to marriage. So today's topic is marriage. And last time we started with Larissa, so today I think we'll start with Jed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Marriage. The example of marriage I have is from my mom and dad. Um, And in many ways, I feel like there's this one Bible verse that I think of when I think about marriage because, yes, like as a Christian, I understand like the biblical principles that come with marriage, but I also know friends and family who are not Christians who have been married for several years and um just the idea of that you know god makes it rain on the just and the unjust and how he has gifts and marriage is a gift if it's used in the right way and how whether you're a believer or not um you can experience the gift of marriage but like i said in the last um episode human marriage isn't the ultimate um human experience i think knowing god is and when there's two people who are joined together in a union of marriage without the foundation of God, I think there's, no, there's a lack. But I think when two people are joined in the union of marriage with God, um, and just like they're living out daily principles that are found in the Bible. Yeah, I think when I think about marriage, I think about relationship. And when I think about relationships, I think about friendships because um, I'm of the opinion that a good marriage starts at a good friendship. And I think when we listen to our previous podcast that we did on friendship, we get the building blocks of what makes a good marriage. Mm -hmm. Because it's only in really giving yourself to friendship in the way that you should aside from the love side of it in terms of like passion and romance and intimacy um when you start at that point then you have something that you can build on which makes sense and you know just to put out there i do believe that finding your soulmate has to be one of the most difficult experiences that any believer or non-believer has to go through. Um, And it's not easy by any means. Mm -hmm. I think in our last episode on romance, which if you haven't listened to it, go listen to it. But, I mean, after you listen to this. But um, (laughs) I remember at the end of it, Jen had said that she wondered like if you if there's someone that you're predestined for or if you make the choice to be with someone and I almost wonder like is there a difference I mean if God knows everything 
so like even if I made the choice God already knew mm-hmm. and in that sense was it already predestined so like we have this whole concept of the one right and I guess that's what I'm getting at it's like well I'll ask you Larissa because you're married do you feel like your husband was the one initially no but now I would say that because you see the one in your um, ideal picture is not the one in God's picture for you. Mm-hmm. Although the scripture is very clear that he works everything to the good mm-hmm. of those who love him and are called according to his will. So even if you have chosen somebody that he might not have really wanted for you, he will work that to your good mm-hmm. if you are called by him and if you are being what he's saying. Because he can redeem anything. Mm-hmm. So relationships and marriages are exactly the same. Mm-hmm. He can redeem, redeem, redeem them, sorry, again. As in also marriages where you have mistrust or where you have an affair happening or the breaking down, there is still redemption in that. So he can redeem that couple back to himself, firstly, and then back to each other. Because you find that, you know, in the next topic that comes attached to marriage is also um, things like affairs and cheating mm-hmm. and, you know, um, some of those things that come with it. So, yeah, I would say my husband is the one, so. <laughs> <laughs> I guess one of the things that I think about in marriage is, so we have this two becoming one. Mm-hmm. And we know we know what the physical manifestation of that is, but like, what does that mean, really? When we say to become, like, what mindset does that denote? What is what is the oneness that a couple is, I guess, reaching for? As soon as you posed that question, the first thing that came to my mind was the idea of being in Christ. So when I, before salvation, before I was a Christian, I was not in Christ. Once I became a Christian, I now became in Christ. And that, yes, there's, you know, Jesus and then there's me, so that's individual, but then there's also a oneness to be in something. And I think that's the... I don't know if I can say same thing, but yeah, similar idea in terms of marriage where it's two individuals, but now you're coming together and there's a oneness there. And then, you know, if the result of your marriage leads to children, you can see like the physical manifestation of the oneness of the flesh becoming, you know, multiplying. Mm -hmm. So I think ultimately, like for me, when I think of what does that mean, it looks like what it means when Christ brings us to himself. We are his bride. I think um, for me, when I think about that, I I look at that in um, terms of the other scripture that says, um, women, obey your husbands. Wives, obey your husbands. And husbands, love your wives. So the two words that come up for me is honor and love. 
and I think for the two to become one there has to be the honor and the love which then manifests in sacrifice mm -hmm. in devotion mm -hmm. you know in commitment um, and I think that before you think about marriage as just two individuals coming together, you have to look at it as in God's bigger plan. What does that um, display in terms of marriage supposed to communicate or be in the, in the body of Christ? What is it meant to be? Is it just to have children or is it has a bigger purpose than that? Well, let's go there then. What is the purpose to display um, the gospel, simply put, if you're a believer? Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to think of like the other side of it if you're not a believer, just from the experiences that I've had and the things that I've seen. I think there's definitely, there's still like a healthy aspect involved, you know what I mean? Like there's a lot of people who live healthy and whole lives despite not being Christians. And like that's just the that's just the truth, and yes, there's like a lack and there's a missing, but it it doesn't mean that you can't live a healthy life to a degree. But um, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> I think it fulfills a longing that we have, which is something that God has put within us because. In the beginning, he, he created woman because he said it's not good for man to be alone. So, his plan, I think, was so that man would have someone to engage with that looked like him, you know, that... Um, there were certain aspects about who the man was that could not be, that he could not explore in its fullness without having um, someone else mm -hmm. to share it with. And I think when you think about sharing, and I think that um, first created couple, Adam and Eve, before, it's hard to kind of figure out how it would have been before the fall. Because when you look at all the struggles, it only came when sin came into the world. Because before then, man walked and talked with God in the garden. So we don't know how long of a period that was when Adam and Eve had that experience in God. And we can only imagine what it would be like and the glimpses that we get now of as being believers. But there must have been the ideal mm -hmm. before the fall mm -hmm. and now after the fall we're dealing with all kinds of different things including sin in all of us mm -hmm. which as in many different topics causes this questioning this conflict this you know so i think he's god's plan was perfect to have um created male and female mm -hmm and for procreation in that as well. Not that that was an add-on because he said, you know, go, go forth and multiply. Mm -hmm. Just as he made the animals male and female, you know, and things like that. 
And he wanted us to have dominion over the world. He wanted us mm -hmm. to give us that. And in order for uh, procreation to happen, there had to be that two becoming one again, you know? Yeah. So that's what, um, that's what I feel like. Will we fully understand it now? I don't think so. I think that marriage, kind of like what I guess you both kind of touched on, is, so I think about God, and I think about Christ and his bride, the church, and I think about that being the ultimate union. Um, but I think about uh, God being in three persons, mm -hmm. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and the communion between the three, like just like um, the fellowship between them. Um, and also the oneness, although they're three distinctives. And I think that a marriage is kind of that representation. Um, obviously, again, we don't do it where we fall short, so we don't do it perfectly. But I think that it's, it yields to, again, going back to like what Larissa said with the honor and, and the love, but like that when we do marriage well, that people get to see like glimpses of God's character through it, whether it is how to love another person unselfishly and unconditionally, how to submit to another person, how to respect another person, how to honor another person, um, and how to do this in a relationship where I am not, I am not the center of it if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because even though as believers we're called to esteem others higher than ourselves, the reality is most often we don't do it. Mm -hmm. But, and I don't even want to say more often in a marriage, uh, but maybe we'd be, we'd have more of a tendency to or more of a desire to with a person that we're married to. But then it's also having this relationship where now you become one. You're growing to know each other more and more. Mm -hmm. Because you're still both growing as individuals, but you're also growing together. So you're having to learn how to have that interconnectedness and make that whole thing work. Mm -hmm. And it, it's hard because it is two people, but with a common goal. Right. But again, that's kind of the church, where it's Christ, our groom, and us, his people, the bridesmaids, and we're supposed to be sharing this common goal, and yet there's so many of us, and we have different gifts and different abilities and different passions and different... and. It's trying to work them all together, trying to navigate through life. Mm -hmm. Again, with the common focus of ultimately, this is what we're all about. Mm -hmm. But individually, this is who we are, and that's okay too. Mm -hmm. Just, and in that, I think about like just disagreements and whatnot that happen, and like just that there's nothing wrong with disagreements, mm -hmm. but we need to be able to disagree well. Yeah. We can't, we can't lose respect and honor and love mm -hmm. in our disagreements right. mm -hmm. so 
I guess, why should a Christian? Why don't you want to use the word should? I think most most Christians do desire to be married. There are some people who don't, but I think on average, most people do. Mm-hmm. But like, what would be a wrong desire for marriage versus a right desire for marriage? Well, I think a wrong desire, and I've seen this and I've heard people say it, you know, and it's not necessarily wrong, but I think it can be made wrong depending on your heart towards it. Like I was recently part of a conversation and this girl was like, well, I'm just going to be honest, I want to have sex. And as a Christian, like you're, you shouldn't, you know, be partaking in sexual immorality. And the morale is you have a sexual relationship with the person that you're married to. Mm-hmm. So if that's the ultimate desire to be legal, I guess, in terms of your sexual relationship, that's wrong. Like if that's the desire. But sex is a good gift that God has given to us. And if we use it in the way that it's intended and not pervert it, then you know, the purpose of it can be fulfilled. So in that context, I would say her desire, there's nothing wrong with it, but the way it's being presented, um, that's the problem. And, sorry, what was the question? I'm having like, like mommy what brain would right be, <laughs> What would be a wrong desire for marriage versus a right desire for marriage? And I guess like I asked that question because I think even within marriages, sometimes people are striving for the wrong things. Mm-hmm. I think ultimately it comes down to like selfish motive versus being selfless. Mm-hmm. And if you're in it to really love and serve this person, the other things of like respect and honor, like those are just going to naturally, not naturally, with effort going to flow. But if you're in it for selfish motive, like this person is going to do X, Y, Z for me, they're going to be able to, like whatever the, the need is, um, to meet that need selfishly, then that's that's a problem and I don't think that's a marriage not necessarily that won't last but it won't be healthy until you're able to love the person the way that God wants you to love the person um I think one of the wrong desires uh for marriage would be what can I gain from this relationship so in marrying this man does it make me secure financially mm-hmm. you know um, does it give me status because there are I mean you know let's be honest there's things that happen like this you know mm-hmm. it's just a business um, sorry it's a business um, agreement you know Um, so I think those will be some of the... Think about what you said with security, because I remember um, reading this author, this book on insecurity, where she was saying that uh, she got into a disagreement with her best friend, and they stopped talking, and she went to her husband to complain, and then she, as she's talking to him, she was just like, you know what, though? It doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter. I don't need her. I have you. And she said, he was like, well, no. (laughs) He was like, you're not putting that on me. You have Jesus. Because he was like, I am not going to be the center of your world. I am not going to fulfill Mm -hmm. your every desire. Like, you don't get to 
now say that I'm responsible for doing that. Right. He was like, you can't put that weight on me. Like, it's unbearable. And I think that's a healthy and correct mindset to have, right? Like, ultimately, we're not going to be anyone's savior. And I think, you know, for myself, like, I entered a marriage thinking like, oh, this person needs me and I need him. And that's, to a degree in a marriage, yes, there is that. But if that's the you know, primary goal or that's the mindset you're going in with that's unhealthy and it's not going to be successful that way. Like the only savior is Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that um, there's a constant move in a marriage towards understanding more about what God has purposed your marriage for. Mm-hmm. And he knows what you need and he knows what you desire. Mm -hmm. Your spouse does not always know that. And that's okay because sometimes what you need at that specific time that you've spoken in your closet, in your private time to God, your spouse sometimes says that to you Mm -hmm. and you're like, you know, I never expressed this to you. Mm-hmm. And I think that is our needs, desires, and wants. Firstly, has to be the conversation with God. Mm-hmm. Lord, this is what I need, mm-hmm. you know. This is what I desire. This is how I feel. Because when you first bring it to God and then you bring it to your spouse, even if it's something that you, hard that you need to speak about, you know, it helps you to communicate that with love. It helps you to communicate it with um, first having processed it yourself because in that moment of having that conversation when you have not processed it beforehand, it often just turns out the way you don't want it to. So you don't communicate well. You don't get to the bottom of how you feel. It just ends up being a mess, you know? Mm-hmm. And there is no perfect when I talk about this, you know, that's why I said it's growing in love because there's a constant movement. There's a growth. There's, you know, there's a, a, you know, trying to reach the end. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, there's, there's a little phrase that I love and it's something that I really hold on to in my own life. And it's that, you know, don't undervalue the journey and put the emphasis on the destination. Mm -hmm. You know, embrace the journey for what it is, the highs, the lows, the, you know, the arguments, whatever, because in that journey, you understanding more about that person and you understanding more about life and it can apply to so many different things instead of just having this destination that everything is just going to be perfect and it's a perfect marriage and it's Mm -hmm. a perfect relationship and this man you know, meets all your needs and all your desires. And sometimes you don't even share that with him and you he doesn't even know you expect that of him and you're like, you're not, you, you know, you're missing the mark. So, yeah. yeah. So, okay. My parents... I've been married for a long time. I don't know exactly how many years. <laughs> but I have friends who come over time after time. 
and witness my parents' relationship. And I'll be like, oh, I want to have a marriage like your parents. Oh, they're so in love. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm always just like, yeah, they are. Now they're pretty much attached at the hip. I don't remember seeing that growing up, right? But the lesson that I learned from that is that marriage is a work in progress and you mm-hmm. go through different seasons and like when your kids are little, mm-hmm. that yeah, you are going to have to struggle with running them around to different activities in school mm-hmm. and you both, if you're both working or whatever the situation mm-hmm. is, it's just, it's not the same as when you're in a season where you're retired yes. and you've been doing this for 40, 50 years. Mm-hmm. But I feel like a lot of people want that instant gratification, Yeah. Mm-hmm. right? So, like, what advice would you give to maybe, like, a newlywed couple who's just going through it? Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, don't give up and make sure you put in the work because it takes a lot of work. It's hard. It's laying down on on many levels things that your ideal picture in your mind, your wants, your needs, your desires, and you know, entrusting your heart to someone makes you vulnerable and exposed. And to truly do that with your spouse, it takes years. It takes time. I'm still at that point where I'm still learning how to entrust my heart to my husband. We married for 10 years. Mm -hmm. I'm in that process still because as humans, we have this protective nature. We always want to protect self, want to protect our own well-being. And sometimes exposing ourselves in this way means we become very vulnerable and nobody wants to be rejected. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to be misunderstood and nobody wants conflict. And sometimes you feel like exposing what's in your heart is going to cause that, you know. So I feel like, you know, it's step by step. And um, I would also say that communication is key. You have to talk about things, difficult things that you need to speak about, whether it's in, you know, issues of intimacy, of romance, of, you know, what you like, what you dislike, you really have to be so honest. And I think it's a hard place to be at because, you you know, some of these topics, even with your spouse, is hard to get into. But you have to be, you you know, you have to be. And it's not easy. But when you do get down to these topics and you discuss it, you realize, you know what, you can be on the same page, Mm -hmm. you know, when you share how you feel. And listening as well as allowing someone to share has to be has to be there um i used to be a listener and not a talker but i had to change and now listen as well as talk mm-hmm. you know and not be like feel like to be either one on you know mm-hmm. so how do we help each other with marriages so like within the church whether you're married or not married, like how do you help the married couples to endure in their marriages? Like how do we encourage them? How do we build them up? How do we support them? I think there's a lot of 
aside from spiritual practical things that we can do so I think about um, you know if you've got time and you know that there's a mother who needs some time away from her kids because she's homeschooling and she's overwhelmed go over and say hey I can babysit for a little while or someone who's just had a newborn that can't go out and do groceries I'll grab some groceries for you tell me what you need um, I actually think of an example where I knew this married couple who were struggling in their marriage and I was single at the time and I was sitting behind them at church and um, the guy, he turned over and he, like, so they were sitting in front of me and I was sitting behind them. Church service had just ended. We all stood up. The guy turned around and said hi to me, but it wasn't, like, it, it definitely wasn't innocent. And I already knew that this couple was struggling. So the woman had turned around and she looked at me too. And I addressed her before I addressed him, right? So I think even in certain situations like that, we may not necessarily know what everyone's going through, but I think when you're a single person, or even if you're a married person, to be respectful of, you know, just everyone, because you never know what people are going through. And that moment to me, I remember it so vividly, just because I could physically see, like, the tension in her body decreasing, right? And it's, not, I'm not saying that, like, the health of their marriage was up to me but in that moment there was like something small that i could do to say that like i'm standing here with you firstly as my sister right and yeah i think like with so many perverted versions of marriage whether it be like polygamy or homosexuality um even like with the increase of pornography like there's just so many areas in which marriages are under attack and I think, like, as Christians, if we're called to be witnesses of, like, what God's desire is, then whether you're single or a widow or married or unmarried, like, whatever the marital status is, I think we can stand in unity together. And we need to. Yeah, I think, as I said before, I think it's sharing, like, for me, there's, um, there's a few married women that I have who are friends, you know, with a similar age. Um, and we share very openly and honestly with each other where we're at. Mm-hmm. And I think as a married person, you've got to be very careful that it's not just like bad-mouthing your spouse mm-hmm. or just having a rant and rave session with your, with your girlfriends. But it's really sharing with each other and feeling for each other and saying, yeah, you know what, actually, I'm exactly in the same place. And we need safe spaces to be able to share. Mm -hmm. And it has to be in the body. It has to be with believers because, you know, as unbelievers, we go through similar situations Mm -hmm. that all marriages go through, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's jealousy, whether it's, you know, um, lack of trust, whether it's um, even not knowing how to handle, you know, your spouse's anger or whatever it is, you know. Because we're all susceptible to these things. But mm-hmm. it's like, let's share with someone else and be like, oh, yeah, you know, how did you manage this? Or, you know, have you guys gone through this before? And I find, like, with me and, like, my girlfriends who are married, we share some of these things that could seem, like, very intimate to share with yeah. each other. Yeah. But it's helped all of us. Mm-hmm. It's helped all of us mm-hmm. to realize, you know what, I'm not actually on this alone. And maybe somebody has done it better than how I've done it. Maybe this is what I'm doing that's that's adding to the to how bad this is turning out. Mm-hmm. And let me take my sister's advice, you know, or let me see, oh yeah, maybe I should try that, mm-hmm. you know. And 
yeah, I think that we have to be able to share openly and honestly and, you know, find your girlfriends, find people that you can trust and just really have those those hard-hitting conversations with them that you need to mm -hmm. in order for you to feel strengthened. And, you know, you don't have to say or expose more than you, you should or you need to, but sometimes you have to explain those things that are really on your mind mm -hmm. to someone who you trust so that they can share that burden with you and they can pray with you sometimes through it, you know. And, yeah, I think sharing for me will be the, the biggest thing. Mm -hmm. So what I'm hearing, and you guys correct me if I'm mistaken, is basically um, discipleship, accountability, and fellowship. Mm -hmm. Basically. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I also think it's important to, because I know that there is a tendency to kind of get clicky, and it's like, if I'm single and you're single, I'm going to be your best friend, right? Mm -hmm. But that's not necessarily the wisest. Like, there's nothing wrong with that, but mm -hmm. I think if we really want to learn from other people, then maybe talk to people who are not in the same season of life as you're in. And maybe, you know, if I'm someone who's preparing for marriage and you're married, then I can try to have a connection with you mm -hmm. and see like, okay, how are you doing things? Or maybe you can seek out someone who is single preparing for marriage or yeah, whatever it may be. I think just, just not to form cliques, because I know in church like that can happen very easily. And really just be open towards the people who you think God is calling you to. Yeah, and I think, you know, with this topic, we can go so much further because I think, you know, there's also, you know, understanding of things like passion, commitment, companionship, intimacy, you know, and, you know, and then you have different types of love. You have erotic love, you have agape love, you have all these different types of things. And all this is encompassed in marriage. Mm -hmm. All, you know. And I feel like sometimes we feel like, oh, we should, you know, intimacy or my sex life or passion should be the least because it's the most um, natural thing, you know. But we don't understand that that the intimacy that is created there is an intimacy, as you said, Jen, that God has created, mm -hmm. you know. So sometimes these topics we feel like are like, Ooh, we cannot talk about this because this might be a worldly way of looking at it. But it's actually not. Mm -hmm. We tend to put so many compartments into what we think it, you know, what we think God requires. He requires only our spiritual life. He requires all of us. Mm -hmm. So when he looks at you and he says, you know what, um, you have no intimacy with your spouse, but you expect your spouse to be faithful. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's like, let's, let's be honest. Let's, yeah. you know, let's hold things in tension and let's look at things the way God, you know, has desired for it to be. Mm -hmm. And not just in our own minds, you know, putting these restrictions and whatever on it. So I've said too much on this topic, actually. <laughs> well, that's okay. It's time to wrap up anyway. <laughs> um, I just think that there's so many things that, fall under respect and I think you know we've talked about so many different things we've talked about devaluing the family we've talked about romance um, discipline and I think all of those can I think marriage can be one of the most um, exhilarating experiences of your life 
but it's not perfect and it comes with its challenges and you have to be willing to work it out no matter what it takes well yeah marriage i guess it's a beautiful thing and like the rest of said it can be uh the most exhilarating experience in your life but um we know also in the fallen and broken world that for a lot of people it is the most heartbreaking experience mm -hmm. of their life mm -hmm. um and when i think about it i think for me i bring it back to like what i said earlier with with christ and the church and um just grasping what it is like what is its purpose what was it designed for both as like as a gift but also as a responsibility and then also looking at again like as a church family just like how do we help marriage like how do we help that institution um, both in terms of just helping people within the church have healthy marriages, um, helping people be restored from broken marriages, and also just giving the world an example to look at of how God ordained marriage to look. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> mm -hmm. And like Larissa said, I think it is hard. Um, but I think ultimately, like, if you're in a place where you can fight for your marriage, that that is something, that it's a lifelong fight. Mm -hmm. That it's not just like, you know, you walk down the aisle and everything's great. Um, for some people, it's pretty okay their whole lives. For some people, it's not their whole lives. And it's just always going to be a battle and a fight. But like, um, just to say there are marriages that are not meant to stay together mm -hmm. um, and in that sense I'm not even talking about divorce but even just like separation just not to be together and that those people need to find healthy ways out of those situations as well and not to force something that ultimately is detrimental to your well-being but um yeah marriage is a big topic we can probably continue it in another episode <laughs> maybe bring on some older wiser people to talk mm -hmm. about it <laughs> um but yeah that's what i gotta say <laughs> yeah well thank you so much ladies for this conversation um i think it's pretty clear that when we're speaking about marriage in this context, we're talking about marriage in terms of believers and the scripture that says that a three-chord is not easily broken. So God has to be the center foremost in your marriage and has to be the cord, the third cord that binds it together, that binds you two together. So, yes, let's... Let's all find ways of how we can change our mindsets around marriage, whether you're single, whether you are married, whether you divorced, whether you need healing from it, whatever it is, 
just know that um, look to God. Look to God because he is able to do whatever you need him to do. So thank you again for listening. Um, as always, it was a wonderful discussion. We really look forward to hearing from you. So do drop us a message on our Instagram page. That's at SYC Podcast. Let's keep the conversations going. So if you have any comments that you'd like to put, if there's any topics you'd like us to discuss, please do make sure to engage with us on our page. Until next time, we leave you with these words on our lips. My one, what's in a man, I began to ponder. I've met the one who brings mine to wonder. Is it his strength and his masculine traits? Or his weakness and willingness to wait? All the things I never once considered. All the compassion I witnessed him deliver. His words so few come timely to reach my heart. I long for him when he is not near. His voice always sweet music to my ear. So many little things add up to make this man my Stanley Cup. Hard to believe I've gained a friend and a lover all at once. I look forward to what the future shall bring, so long as it includes me being with him.